0: If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. Welcome once again to Grief and Rebirth Podcast, whose mission is to educate, enlighten, and provide healing choices through interviews with grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums and people who have inspiring stories to share. I'm your host, Irene Weinberg. And before I begin, what will be today's transformative interview, here's a reminder to please like Irene Weinberg, W-E-I-N-B-E-R-G, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our very distinguished guest today is Dr. Elizabeth Hall, who has achieved a PhD in applied health science and health promotion focusing on positive psychology and motivational interventions for affirmative behavior change. Elizabeth has over 20 years of experience coaching individuals, couples, and groups, and she also runs workshops and addresses large groups. It's certainly not surprising that Elizabeth's dynamic company is called Getting It Done Coaching. Elizabeth, welcome to Grief and Rebirth Podcast, whose mission resonates with your life purchase. Sorry, with your life purpose, perhaps a purchase too. <laughs> Which is to shine the light on faith in our ability to change, grow and create fulfillment and fabulous ways of being. Let's begin to shine the light for our listeners with this question. What inspired you to pursue the calling of a transformational coach? How is it influenced by positive psychology, and what is a hero's journey to a purposeful life?
1: Well, Irene, thank you so much for for that uh, that layered question because my gosh it um it brings out so many thoughts and first of all my my uh, my thought is to thank you and to show you my gratitude for what you do for this service, because it is so important. And uh, it is such a positive, beautiful light in our world and so needed by so many people.
0: Thank you so much.
1: So my, what inspired me to be a transformational coach? Gosh, I, I feel like that a transformational coach equals me. I am a transformational coach. I feel like I came into the world Being a transformational coach. I'm not sure if there was any seminal moment that inspired me. I feel like from the time that I, as I said, I came into the world, I have been about transformation and change and bringing out the best in other people. Um, From From when you were a little kid? Absolutely. Absolutely. From when I was a little kid, I felt the responsibility of showing up in this world in a positive way and in helping others. Um, you know, my, my mission and my, um, uh, my life purpose is to uh, be the, the muse who helps people to uh, live their best life.
0: That's wonderful. Um, you actually took positive psychology. I did. Yes. So not only were you born with this, this feeling, uh, this inclination towards it, but then you educated yourself about it. So I think people would be interested to know that there are actually colleges that you can go to that teach positive psychology.
1: Oh, absolutely. And positive psychology is such a beautiful thing because it's forward moving. Positive psychology is about following our hero's journey. It's about one step at a time. And yes, sometimes on that hero's journey, we have to sit on a rock ledge and maybe look down the path at where we've been, and then look up the path at where we want to go. And the focus is that we are who we are because of our experiences. And we are who we are because of our willingness to grow from those experiences. And the
0: hero is the person who's able to grow from those experiences. I would take it.
1: Absolutely. So in this case, if I were coaching you, you are the hero on your journey. This is your hero's journey.
0: That's, I believe that. And I think that uh, a lot of people don't, you know, there's a famous song about hero that is song
1: yeah. about being your own hero. Absolutely, absolutely. And our our hero's journey isn't always about one step at a time in happiness. Our hero's journey is like the mythic hero's journey. Um, our hero's journey is about um, you know the the uh, the struggles and uh, the difficulties that uh, uh, you know that one faces. Right It's about being in the struggle and the journey when it happens, and um, getting past that.
0: Oh right. OK, what um, you state that the entity of heart-wrenching, knee-buckling grief is willful, yet it is with and in and through our grief, that we know deep, pure, unconditional and comforting love. Please enlighten us about this, Elizabeth.
1: Yes, because we we think perhaps that uh, grief is something that we can push off, that we can put a blanket over that we can decide against uh, sometimes we think of grief as contagious, as in oh my goodness, i can't be with that person who's in grief because I might catch some of that. Grief is willful, grief will find us, and grief will uh, be part of us, and it is um the beauty of recognizing that grief is who we are when we're going through it. It is heartfelt. It's knee buckling. It's heart wrenching. And it is part of us. We um, if we process it and we feel it, it will help us to move with it instead of against it. I think
0: a lot of people are afraid of the feelings um that they that come up and so someone like you is able to help them to cope with those feelings and figure things out and move on
1: yes right? because, yes because in in the grief in the in the as you um as you so beautifully put it the swamps of suffering we we are there and yet we don't necessarily stay there 100% of the time even when we recognize ourselves in the swamp of suffering, which no one is immune from, we recognize that there is also room for laughter and love and hope and endurance. That's great.
0: By the way, to all of our listeners, there's a little background noise. I don't know what that is. So um, I'm looking at Elizabeth. She's saying it's quiet around her and it's all completely closed off and quiet around me. And I hear something that sounds like someone shoveling. So I don't know what in the world that is, everyone, please forgive that if it's interrupting our the train of thought. Um, Elizabeth, how does your role as a co-active coach help you to process grief with your clients, helping them to set a new life course, which includes a oh. new future forward vision and mission?
1: Yes. So in, in, my, uh, in my coaching, so often when we take a look at um, a situation that someone is in, there is that desire to pop out of it. So what I do with my clients, first of all, is to develop a a trust, a mutual trust in one another. And then I I love to, uh, uh, to tell them that part of our hero's journey requires that sometimes we go into a deep, dark, dank cave and that I am there with them, with a lifeline And I will show them the way out, that I have the flashlight, and we can get out anytime. And in the meantime, let's go there. Let's take one step at a time. Let's feel what it's like and process it and know it. Because so often in this trust and uh, in this belonging with each other in the cave, we can discover those emotions that we find so fearful. When we speak with other people about the emotions, so often we try to hide them because we're protecting others from our feelings, from our negative feelings of emotion. And we're also trying to protect ourselves. And yet in the dark of night or in the light of day, the emotions catch up with us. And as much as we try to put a blanket over them and shove them in a corner, there they are saying, I I need your attention. And so I provide that opportunity with my clients.
0: That's wonderful. And just seeing you the way I am, our 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 listeners will be hearing our audio. I could see why people would be very comforted with you and help you to be their guide. Uh, You've just yeah. got that way about you. It's, it's wonderful. Um, you you're welcome. Uh, I can't imagine what that noise is in the background that I'm hearing. I mean, the technolog- technology, <laughs> oh my goodness. But anyway, hopefully we're fine. Okay, so uh, I want to thank you very much right now because we're going to take a quick break to allow a minute for our sponsors who keep this podcast free for our listeners. We'll be right back. We're back. Thanks for tuning in to my transformative interview with Dr. Elizabeth Hall. Let's continue on with this question. Elizabeth, please tell us about the father who experienced the death of his daughter and how his grief journey led to a different map of his life journey.
1: Absolutely. This was a man who uh, experienced that knee-buckling time when his daughter was diagnosed with uh, a rare um, brain tumor, and she seemed to come out of it. And there was great celebration from the time of her suffering Uh, Of 12 years old to 14 years old, he went through, as he called it, a living hell. And he thought that they were coming out of it. And in celebration, he took her to um, a sporting event, a public event, where she picked up a a virus. And uh, she very quickly Um, died two weeks later because of that virus and the complications thereof. And his faith um, took a kicking. He decided that he had no more faith. He prayed so hard and he thought that his prayers were answered. And so he turned his back on his faith. And it was then that he experienced the darkest hours because he had nothing to... Uh, fall back on he had there was no reason for him no purpose in his life he questioned it and uh, he and I found each other and so we um, uh, had a coaching relationship and from there he was able to process what went on and realize that um, there is no rhyme or reason and he listened to the power of scriptures, the word of scriptures. And he also listened to the messages that he was receiving from his daughter, which was that you have so much to give, so much love to give. And it's time for you to open up in this world and give to others.
0: Were these messages through a medium or just uh, messages he perceived himself?
1: It was beautiful the way that he explained it. He said that The message came into his head without hearing her voice, and yet feeling her warmth and knowing that these were her thoughts. And he said, "We transcended uh, the spoken word, and we just went um, brain to brain, heart to heart." That's
0: fabulous. So many people can't do that, or wouldn't have heard that, or need to go to a medium or someone to hear from their deceased loved one. What a blessing that was for him! Wow, absolute blessing! Wow. Well, in keeping with that, then my next question is, a person's barriers to happiness and joy can be especially strong when the person has experienced loss or trauma. How do you help a person to transcend those barriers?
1: So first, the recognition of the barriers is something that I find really important. Recognizing on the hero's journey, what is that that you're bumping into? I've heard you Uh, for the last three calls or four calls, whatever the quantification is, um, mention this, and yet you pivot from it. Let's go to it. So what is this barrier? What's the roadblock? Let's sit on a bench over here and look at the barrier. What's the barrier telling you? What is the information in that barrier? And where can we move from here? How can we lift the barrier? and oftentimes it's processing it it's realizing it wasn't my fault it's realizing perhaps i was part of that the the pain of wrestling with it the pain of not so much trying to hurdle the barrier or trying to turn back on the barrier it is staring the barrier staring at the barrier looking at the information and deciding how can I move forward because of the barrier, not in spite of the barrier?
0: What a great way to turn that around. To turn that whole process around and, and get it gives a person a life. I can I can see that. And it's sort of involved with acceptance also, because they have to accept what has happened and not personalize it and decide that they're going to love themselves enough to move forward.
1: Absolutely. And giving themselves permission to move forward and to love themselves instead of blaming themselves, shaming others, being a victim. Absolutely. So we look at the voice of uh, the self-limiting beliefs or of the saboteur. And we listen to the the voices that accompany the saboteur or that self-judge. Like,
0: No, I was going to say, so the saboteur is the self-judge.
1: Absolutely the saboteur is the self judge who says who do you think you are you don't deserve to be happy or this was your fault all in self protection absolutely in self protection and yet something goes awry in that voice it starts out in self protection and it ends up to be self debilitating
0: wow well in the keeping with that how do you replace that negative self talk with the voice of his or her sage so you have the saboteur and then you have the sage. So you want to tell people the difference?
1: Absolutely. Of- so the, the sage is I, I alluded to that when I spoke of um my being, my uh being a healer, my being a helper. Our sage is that uh the spirit, that essence that we came into the world as, and we will leave the world with. Our sage is all knowing, our sage is. Is trusting, our sage is curious, our sage is loving, our sage gives permission, it's open, it's wise, it's kind, it's forgiving. And if we listen to that part of us, not if, when we listen to that part of us, the saboteur scuttles off. There's no place for the saboteur. And yes, in each one of us, in living our sage, the saboteur will try to uh, uh, get noisy again and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Sage doesn't know everything. Who do you think you are being happy? And we are equipped with having the answer, with recognizing that we are not our saboteurs. Our saboteurs are lies. They're based on lies. And we actually develop those lies in self-protection. Our sage is the truth.
0: That's. Would you also equate the sage with being a, for a person who's spiritual? Maybe their higher self.
1: Absolutely, our sages are higher self. Absolutely.
0: Um, could you share with us the story of the eighty-five-year-old who realized, after three decades of being stuck, that there is a way to get out of the mud?
1: <laughs> Absolutely, I I love this um uh, this story because this narrative, because that was her narrative. She was stuck. She decided that she was going to believe this story, that um, she was a widow and that that's all there was to it. And she uh, felt that she could not express her sorrow because her family uh, said to her, it's time to move on and she wasn't ready. So she lost herself in her sorrow. Uh, She muzzled herself and closed herself off and uh, part of her couldn't be honest with people because she felt that she was protecting them as well. And so through expressing her sorrow with me, that sorrow that she bottled up for years and years and years, saying, I miss him every day, saying, I talk to him every day, and my daughter thinks I'm crazy and I'm not because I'm talking to my husband and I miss him. And yes, I can love other people and I love other people because of him, because he is love. And- That's beautiful. Mm-hmm.
0: I would imagine that once you worked with her and she gave herself permission, I would imagine it, it improved a lot of her other relationships too.
1: Absolutely, it improved her relationship with her children because she outed herself. She said to them, "You know what? I do talk to your father. I do communicate with him, and I speak with him every night." And as a matter of fact, she didn't tell them that his urn was in her room, in her bedroom. And so she outed herself with that one as well, and she told them that she had um, she she put herself into the stuckedness. And now she was going to get herself out. She was ready to get herself out because she was open to her emotions and her feelings, accepting of them and ready to move forward with them.
0: And you know, what a wonderful role modeling for her children because surely they were going to have loss in their lives and all of that. And here she is showing them that you can move through that.
1: Yes, and that they got their mother back. They got uh-huh. their mother holy instead of a part of their mother. And she felt that finally she, she was able to breathe again, that a weight lifted. And it took a long time for her to move that boulder, but she was able to move it.
0: That's fantastic. That is, and what a gift she gave them before she died. Is she still alive today? Yes, she, she
1: is. Very she, much so, so she's
0: given them a gift. A wonderful gift of herself for the years now that they have this new kind, newer version of mom.
1: Yes, and her grandchildren as well.
0: And her grandchildren as well. That is wonderful. Elizabeth, how does a person live with intention, attention, and self-kindness? Because for me, I notice in life that many people are not conscious. They don't live with intention.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so it's drawing attention to that to living intentionally, to having intention, and having the attention of being kind, because what we practice grows stronger. If we practice numbing ourselves in whatever way we choose, if we practice being inattentive to how we're really feeling, if we don't pay attention to our inner voice, to our feelings, to going somatically, What's my body telling me right now? Why am I feeling these butterflies? Instead of uh, you know, taking something to soothe the feeling, if we intentionally pay attention, if we decide to really pay attention to what our body is telling us, it's about our brain mind, our heart mind, and our gut mind. And what information is our brain mind, our heart mind, and our gut mind transmitting to us.
0: It's a real kind of self-love because instead of just doing and doing through life, you're really tuning in and caring Absolutely. about yourself and being aware, right? Of, of, your, of, of how you're processing your feelings, what you're
1: doing. You're- and being kind to ourselves, too, yes. being patient. And that doesn't mean being nice. There's a difference between being nice and being kind. Being nice is born from fear. Being kind is born from bravery. So when we're kind to ourselves, when we say to ourselves, it's time to hit the pause button and figure this one out and loving ourselves through it.
0: That is wonderful.
1: It's not about being perfect. It's about being excellent in our intention to live our best life.
0: And forgiving ourselves if we're not perfect too.
1: Exactly. Because we're not meant to be.
0: Yes. <laughs> Why do you call joy a discipline,
1: Elizabeth? Yeah, it's a practice. Joy is definitely a practice because we are um, we get cluttered and muddled in all kinds of emotion, and it's a discipline for us to to keep our joy, to be in joy. It is so easy to step out of joy. What we practice grows stronger. Step into feeling guilt or shame or blame and sadness and the quagmire of, I I want this, I want that, I need this, I need that. Um, Being in joy means being in acceptance, being in love. First, me, first, first, me, what do I need to fill my cup? And then what runs over, runs over for others.
0: In a way, it's um, a form of gratitude, I think.
1: Joy equals gratitude, absolutely. Joy equals gratitude, joy equals kindness, joy equals love. And it is a discipline.
0: Do you have a message about the importance of healing to share with our listeners?
1: Mm, The message of the importance of their healing is to be intentional. Because our healing comes from our work. It comes from our hero's journey. It comes from our willingness to make the climb, to get to the rock face and stare at it and figure out how do I get up there? Um, Also, it is so important that someone without an agenda accompanies us, like a Sherpa, uh, someone with no, no agenda of their own, who will accompany us in our agenda to heal.
0: That's beautiful. Thank, you. and I, 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 in my life, have found that to be so true. Mm-hmm. Uh, to you know, get you out of your head, get someone else really who sees things so much more objectively. Yes, kind of a caring guide. It's it's so important. How can our listeners connect with you for your life changing coaching services, Elizabeth? And do you also coach virtually?
1: Absolutely. I, as a matter of fact, most of my coaching is done virtually, which is a uh... A wonderful uh, blessing to us because we don't have to get in cars and um, go through traffic jams. It's an immediacy like you and I right now. You know, we um, we hit a few uh, clicks on the keyboard and we connect with each other in our naturalistic setting, in our homes or in our car, wherever we want to be. And so, I find that um, that that really works well with my clients. And they get in touch with me through my website, gettingitdonecoaching.com. Do you
0: have a, a, an introductory offer for our listeners today?
1: I would love to meet with anyone who wishes to meet with me and to, um, you know, have a sample session and uh, to have them feel what it's like to be coached by me. Because in order to know what it's like to be coached by me, they need to be coached by me. And so I, I offer them that.
0: Oh, that's such a nice gift to offer that complimentary session. That's lovely. And what is your tip for finding joy in life?
1: My tip is to focus on it, to practice it, because what we practice grows stronger. Stay focused on joy. And remember that joy isn't always about being like, woohoo, exuberant. Uh, Joy is about our purpose, our life purpose and finding that. That's fabulous. Thank you.
0: By the way, everyone, here's a reminder to please be sure to like Irene Weinberg, W-E-I-N-B-E-R-G, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you. Elizabeth, you're wonderful. I agree with you that we do not leave grief behind, that grief has no end. And I deeply admire and respect your ability to help people move forward on their hero's journey to a purposeful life thank you for all you do to help people transform and find happiness in their lives surely to be continued many blessings and bye for now
1: bye-bye Irene thank you so much
0: my my true pleasure
1: and mine as well